Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm your host, Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host, Flava Flav's Clock Necklace, and today we're very excited to bring you a project that's been in the works for a while now, the first ever Blast Awards. Before we break down all our categories and awards, let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, the Blast Podcast is presented by the Blast app, which is going to be available sooner than you may realize. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at Blast underscore movies underscore, our TikTok at Blast.movies, and our YouTube channel at Blast.movies to stay up to date on all of our latest content. There you'll find podcast clips, movie ticket reviews from Ty and myself, and up-to-date news on the progress of the app. Lastly, please make sure to check out our app's landing page at Blastmovies.net where you can learn more about what Blast is going to be. All right, Ty, instead of asking you what you've watched this week, like I always do, I want to kick this off with a little yearly recap in the spirit of the new year. Um, I I know you don't have Letterboxd Premium because you're a little sucker, but I use the app enough to um, to warrant uh, a little yearly breakdown. And just wanted to say I've seen 295 movies this year. 48 of those were 2023 releases, and I've liked 150 of them, which is a pretty good ratio, honestly. Um, my most watched actor was Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, because I watch everything everywhere like once a week, and then, you know, The Fog, Prom Night, all those. Um, and then my most watched director is calling back to a little project I did earlier this year, John Carpenter, because I watched all of his movies. Um, Ty, do you have, do you know how many movies you've watched this year? Or should I just ask you a couple of superlatives? Uh, I don't have the, the deep dive analytics, but I can tell you that before this, I did check my letterboxd. Uh, 74 movies this year, <laughs> 74. And that, you know what? That's pretty good for me. That is pretty hey, good. It's almost one and a half a week, man. You're um, I'm grinding. You know, that's a lot for me. So I, I want to ask you, what was your favorite movie of 2023, like as a new release? Easily, easily Spider-Verse. It like the second I got out of the theater, went to my notes app, put it at the 10 spot for favorite movies ever. It was that important to me. One of those great theater experiences. I remember like the second the movie ended, like thinking, okay, this is what Empire Strikes Back felt like. That it just had that power to it. But the emotions, great story beats, Miles' character arc, it was easily the best movie of the year for me. I can't argue with that choice. Um, I also want to ask you, what is the worst movie that's come out this year? Oh, gosh. Um, it comes down to two. Two that come to mind. One of them just frustration-based because I thought it was going to be one of the best of the year. That's The Flash. This movie is dog shit. There's no other way to put it. The CGI paired with some just bad story choices. I don't know. I think I'm just more frustrated at what it could have been. The actual true worst movie of the year is one I watched with you. We went to the theaters for Last Voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> that movie was terrible. Yeah, that's that would be on my, I think, my choice. But um, I saw one that was a little bit worse. I also want to ask you one more that I don't think it's talked enough, like in general between people. What's the best non 2023 release you watched for the first time this year? 
Okay. I, again, come back to two. One of them technically came out this year because it was a 20-year anniversary re-release. I got to see Old Boy in theaters, the original. This, one of the greatest twists of all time. Honestly, one of the best movies, like technically speaking, I've ever seen. One of the greatest villains I've ever seen. Just a lot of greats that come with Old Boy. I wouldn't recommend this movie to a lot because, <laughs> you know, it's it's a tough watch, especially that end. But it was a, a fun surprise. And then I'd probably go, I can't do the full trilogy, so I'll give you my favorite. I'll go before sunset. This movie, I've told you, like reignited my hope for the concept of love and redemption. And it just put the biggest smile on my face. I, I love that movie. I'm so glad you finally watched them, man. This is why you need to check out my recos once in a while. Yeah, I was long overdue, and you know, I'm glad you brought up your recos because now people, for some reason, are talking about normal people again. I don't think I, I'm so torn because it's so special, but I don't think I'll ever forgive you for like forcing me, not forcing me, but having me watch it. It just, I don't think I'll ever like recover. I can't killer. wait for the for the pod. Maybe maybe this is a sign that we need to pod on it. <laughs> Producer Jack, cue the thousand yard stare. Um. Okay. My, uh, I'm I'm gonna pretend that you had the courtesy to ask me the same questions. Uh, my favorite movie of the year was <laughs> TMNT: Mutant Mayhem. Um. By no means the best, but by far just gave me closure on some some aspects of my childhood that I didn't even know I needed um revisiting that entire like I don't I don't know those those characters and everything was really cathartic for me and made me come home and search for an old TMNT blu-ray or a VHS rather so it's when you know something special is when it makes you want to watch more the worst movie that I've seen this year is a Shutter original it's elevator game. I don't know if I really gave this one enough shit when I talked about it in my what I've watched in a week. Ty, this is about a group of like <laughs> paranormal like YouTubers <laughs> that go in an elevator and like click floors in a certain order and then like get dragged into hell. Essentially, it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Not just this year. Um, dull from start to finish. Nobody in that movie can act for anything and just an absolute regret of <laughs> wasting an hour and a half on that. The best non-2023 release that I've watched for the first time this year is one that I've recommended to you a number of times, and I still don't think you've uh, seen it, In the Mouth of Madness. No, still haven't. Still haven't. <sighs> I see it pop up on some streaming service all the time. All the time. You gotta just give it a chance, man. You're gonna love it. Um, it is absolutely a Thai movie. I I can't wait. I um, what's it's the guy from Jurassic Park. He's one of those actors I just can never remember his name. It's Sam Neil. Neil, thank you, Sam Neil. Um, yeah, kind of a no-brainer. I've read the plot synopsis. Runtime is considerably short. It's kind of a layup for me. And this has been a really short week. So we, we shot the last pod on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday, and we're shooting this one on the Monday. So it's only been a couple of days. I feel like I can't give you too much shit if you haven't watched anything. But have you seen any movies this week? One movie. I watched one movie because a mutual friend of ours that just did a pod, Jake Culp, he texted us a while back and said, hey, before you do your Blast Awards pod, please... Before you like 
create your top 10 of the year list. Watch 1001. It's on Prime. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just go watch it. I had so, plenty of time. AJ texted me and said, it's a mix between The Purge and Bird Box. <laughs> Bro, watch the different movie. Okay. Bro, watch the different movie. <laughs> okay. There is um, there is no way. This is a small-scale, very intimate story about a, I'll say, interesting family dynamic with maybe three of some of the best performances of the year. Did you get a chance to check this one out yet? I did not. And I think it's a good time to bring up that before we do these awards, I haven't seen The Boy and the Heron, Aquaman 2, I doubt would have made it, um, 1001, Ferrari... Um, there are a few releases coming up that we just logistically couldn't make it happen, uh, for this pod. Yeah. I think last year, I don't think, I don't think you got a chance to see Avatar 2. I didn't get a chance to see Babylon. There's like always a couple that like drop right on Christmas and they totally screw over these videos, but you know, if, if the viewers can't look past it, then oh well, maybe, maybe those movies don't end up on any of these lists, but we'll see. Um, I watched only three movies in this time. Um, it was Morgan's Christmas, uh, like extended family Christmas. So we didn't have a ton of spare time this weekend, but I did get to watch Black Christmas. I, I had made Morgan sit down with it after um, after our last pod. And I was like, all right, we need to lock in here and watch one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> After that, I watched the like cheesiest 80s slasher ever. Have you ever seen Prom Night? No, I haven't. Oh my god, dude. It was such a good time. Um, starring Jamie Lee in 1980, so just two years after Halloween 1. I loved everything about this movie. It's so stupid and perfect. Um, and like the middle, <laughs> I want to say it's from like five minutes in until probably an hour and ten minutes in. There is nothing scary at all. It's just like high school plot lines. It's it's awesome. They have no idea what movie they wanted to make. Um, <laughs> and the last movie I watched this week is another one we talked about on the last pod, The Green Knight, which, I mean, how many times do I have to say the same things about it? Morgan was a fan, but I did preface, like, you're going to be bored, um, but that's okay, and that's what it's about. <laughs> Shut up. Watch this movie. Yeah, it's good. And it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's it's a perfect Christmas movie. Let's move into these awards, though. Um, I'm I'm so excited about this. Our producer, Jack, had a great idea to kind of follow suit of the rewatchables where we name awards after kind of what they remind us um, of. And so the first award that I'd like to present here is the Connell Goes to Therapy Best Scene Award. So the nominees are Past Lives, The Ending, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse twice for Gwen's heart-to-heart with her dad and um, Miles and Gwen's upside-down scene. And we're closing out with Oppenheimer's I Believe We Did um, ending scene. It's These these are all amazing. Those are uh, four bangers. I, yeah, four bangers. I got to hear your take. I think... The only one that like gives me any trouble is the upside down scene with Miles and Gwen. That's one that I kept revisiting on TikTok. But I will tell you, I think the ending of Oppenheimer will go down as the most important scene of this century. I think it's one of the best endings I've ever seen. It's one that I keep coming back to, honestly. But that, that just that powwow between Oppenheimer and Einstein talking about we did destroy the world and it cuts to 
Oppenheimer's vision of what that looks like. So powerful, so traumatizing. It just, it's kind of scarred and I don't know if the right way is the right way to put it, but just such an important scene. Yeah, I, uh, it's tough because we named this the best scene award instead of the favorite scene award. Um, my favorite scene in this is by far the ending of, of past lives, but I think the only one I can make an argument against Oppenheimer for is Gwen's heart to heart with her dad. I'm surprised he chose the upside down scene. I thought, I thought that that heart to heart, the way it's animated, the the entire dialogue between the two is, is so beautiful and unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, I understand your argument for Oppenheimer and I I'll probably cave to it, but I mean, Spider-Verse is such a great film. It it deserves a little love in in this best scene category. Steve, I could have put like 10 different Spider-Verse scenes on here as a nomination. There were so many moments in that movie where I was like, okay, this scene right here, this is what makes it one of the best movies of the year. This is what makes it, you know, on my top 10 of all time. There's just so many great moments, but with Oppenheimer, it's, it's been solidified for me as the best and maybe most important scene of the year. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with giving, giving this, this award to Oppenheimer and I, uh, it's, it just sucks. This is such a loaded year. It's actually been a great year for movies, um, which is, I I don't know if I can say the same about the last like three since the pandemic. I feel like we're kind of back in full force finally. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. And I I'll take my Oppenheimer win despite a lot of great nominations, but we're moving on here. We've got, I've got to go see about a girl. Best quote award. Here are the nominees past lives. What if this is a past life as well? And we are already something else to each other in our next life. Bottoms. You don't care about feminism. Your favorite show is Entourage. Oppenheimer. Amateurs seek the sun and get eaten. Power stays in the shadows. And then my personal favorite, John Wick 4. Yeah. Steve, what are you thinking? I think that the viewers are going to be able to tell who nominated which which uh, <laughs> which quotes because you chose like the most badass quotes of the year, and I chose the one that made me like want to die inside, and the one that made me laugh out loud uh, for five minutes. Um, <laughs> my argument is for past lives here. Um, I I revisit this scene and this quote especially like every week or so. Um, it's one that feels very real. Um, I mean, even it, it's applicable to pretty much every relationship you've had in your life and lost, whether that be a friend, a, a girlfriend, whatever. And it, it, I mean, just reading it now, it gives me goosebumps. I can think of that scene of, of how that entire movie builds up to just this, this one small moment. And it's hard for me to look past uh, past lives for any of these other options. It's one of those quotes to your point where the second you hear it, it's like, shit, I can relate to that in some way in a heart wrenching way. So easy, easy win for me with past lives. I just, I just will always remember John wick four when he basically healed from a broken back in a couple of months, (laughs) turns to Morpheus and goes, yeah (laughs) 
It's a great quote. I did want to shout out too. I had a lot of trouble choosing between two quotes um, for past lives. Do you remember the quote where the like white boyfriend or husband or whatever says like you dream in a language that I can't understand. That is another one that just fucking sent me to the bathroom to cry. Dude, that, that poor boyfriend, fiance, whatever it was just, Oh my God. So many scenes where it's like, oh, oh my God, this this guy is gonna become Rocky Balboa in like a couple weeks here. Oh Past my Lives Two is just that that actor doing I drive. <laughs> <laughs> Give it um, up, Luther. <laughs> okay. The next award we have here is one of my personal favorites. This is the Time Best Track Award. Time referencing the the classic from Inception. And this is, again, I feel like the Oscars needs to have this. They have that best original song and the best full score. But the best individual track, like, I'm not listening to all of Oppenheimer's straight through. But Can You Hear the Music, one of the nominees, is so amazing and and finds its way onto pretty much every one of my playlists. That said, the nominees for the Time Best Track Award is TMNT's Happy Ending slash Sewer Home, Past Lives, See You, Oppenheimer's Can You Hear the Music, and Mission Impossible 7's I Was Hoping It'd Be You. There is no answer other than can you hear the music? Even for like non-movie nerds, I feel like that's a track everyone's been listening to all year. It's, I think, the easy winner here out of the four. I agree. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson has really been bringing it in the Bro's past. Bro's been cooking for years. For years. It now. makes me think too, like with the correlation, do you think that Nolan makes movies that are just like made to be scored so well? Or do you think that these these artists that are so talented just come to nolan because they want to work with him it's definitely the latter but now i want to start using chris chris nolan as like rajan rondo we're just going to treat him as the point guard just throwing oops to everyone just absolute layups for all these composers like when you think about the 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 movies whose scores have had the most like cultural impact i feel like you think of interstellar inception um what else like I mean, those two i feel like set the themselves apart so much yeah dark knight but movies other than that i feel like you can play songs from and people will be like ah, i don't i don't really know what this is um I'm, I'm perfectly fine with can you hear the music here all right let's let's keep it rolling then i'm i'm very happy with that even though i listen to i was hoping it'd be you every single day on my way to the gym but <laughs> i digress scarlett johansson best overall year of acting award um, Scarlett Johansson in reference to her 2018 year where she starred in Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story. Absolute heat check from ScarJo mm-hmm. that year. But here are the nominees for 2023. Oh, no. We'll have to cut this. We'll have to cut this. <laughs> this will be a good transition because now I can just rattle off the nominees. Is it Ayo Edebiri? I, f- I believe it's Ayo Edebiri. Damn it. See? This is why, this is why I have you. Okay. Ayo Edebiri. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right, so Jack will have to do the homework, but I'll I'll just say here are the nominees again. All right, is he commenting? Nice he chatted, <laughs> nice work, idiot. <laughs> Perfect. I just gave Jack twenty extra minutes of work. Um, All right. 
Also, I think we need to maybe draw out a couple of these awards a little longer when we get closer to the end. Like, the the MVP award, I think, can be one that we draw out, but this pod is shaping up to be, like, 30 minutes long. <laughs> All right, let's do it then. Let's do it. All right. Um, then how should we go back? How do we want to do this? We'll just, yeah, we'll just start rambling. We'll just ramble some more. Um, okay. I.O. 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 Yes. And Jack said to just start with and the nominees. Okay. And here are the nominees. I.O. Edibiri for Bottoms, TMNT, Theater Camp, Joaquin Phoenix for Bows Afraid and Napoleon, Jason Schwartzman for Asteroid City and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Nick Cage in Renfield and Dream Scenario. Steve, kind of a a weird lineup here what are you leaning so here's what makes me really excited before i talk about which nominee i like the most we nominated two of these actors with one of their major credits being animated uh voice acting roles um i think that's phenomenal because voice actors don't get nearly enough credit my favorite pick here is io adabiri um i loved her so much in bottoms and she had a hand in making that with rachel sanat who also maybe could could make her way onto this list um i loved her in bottoms tmnt i thought she really like kind of made that movie work i don't know if a bad voice performance in april's part like tanks the rest of that of that movie down i thought she was great in that and theater camp i wasn't able to see um but i've i've heard great things so similar to you with Edibiri is how I feel about Schwartzman. That's why I put him on the list. Asteroid City, he was my favorite part of that movie. Very stylistic. It's all about the visuals. But his performance was something I kept coming back to. So put him on the list for that. But I think people don't talk enough about how great he is as, as Spot in Across the Spider-Verse. It's a sneaky good villain with an even better voice performance. And I just want to give him his flowers. Similar to Edibiri, I think that... Those two kind of go hand in hand with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, he's great in Napoleon and Bo's Afraid, but that's the boring pick. Like, I, I really yeah. don't want to give him the nom. You know, I don't want to give him the award. Let's let's shake it up. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of leaning at a beery. Like, I love Schwartzman in Spider-Verse, but I'd probably take TMNT over Asteroid City. So let's have yeah, some fun and- with this. I think that the one, the thing that really detracts from the Asteroid City argument is that there are so many like plot lines and characters going on in that movie. I don't know if he has enough screen time to warrant the award. And you could make the argument, you know, with the name of the award being named after ScarJo, you could argue that she gives just as good, if not better, of a performance as Schwartzman. So, right, yeah. Um, I do want to maybe, maybe we should have nominated this, this one. Jeff Goldblum just like barely snuck off our list uh for his performance as the alien in asteroid city too what a uh, miss one, what a all-time miss. great all-time great um, next year we we're should... doing next year we're doing a cameo award that i i love that idea um that's exactly what i was about to suggest the next award i'm i'm really excited to talk about is the robert downey jr tony stark born to play this role award because this is another one that i feel like is completely separate from from like that best performance it's who you just disappears into the role the most um i'm excited to hear your take on this the nominees are cillian murphy for oppenheimer 
Margot Robbie for Barbie, Joaquin Phoenix for Napoleon, and Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. How much more meta does Tom Cruise need to get with these movies where it doesn't feel like it's just Tom Cruise (laughs) running around, jumping off airplanes, jumping off cliffs? Like I Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt have have like merged into the same character the last like five, six years. This is a, an easy nom for me. I, I love Tom Cruise. I think he was born to play Ethan Hunt, especially this version we've gotten of Ethan Hunt in the last six, seven years where he's just a, an absolute psychopath and will do anything to accomplish his mission. Here's my argument against that. And for listeners out there, um, I nominated two uh, whatevers for each of these awards and Ty also nominated two. I thought very long and hard about John Wick as uh, for Keanu, but I decided, ah, it's his fourth movie. I don't know anymore. Like this, this feels like something that should have been in the first one. And I kind of want to disqualify TC from that for that reason. Okay. So push back with the mission impossibles. I feel like the John Wick stuff stays away from the meta stuff with mission impossible seven dead reckoning. It's all about AI the computers, the the future taking over. And the only one that can stop the future from coming is Tom Cruise. It's Ethan Hunt. So I think he was born to save Hollywood, to save theaters the same way Ethan Hunt was born to destroy the entity and save us from evil AI. Interesting take. Um, Can I make my argument for Silly I've been waiting. Okay, Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. He's going to win. He's going to win the Oscar, right? He is. And this feels just like, I I don't know, like when I was watching that, you know, I'm a huge Cillian Murphy fan. And usually when I, when I'm like that, and maybe Margot Robbie doesn't, doesn't belong on this list because the entire time I was watching Barbie, I was thinking, oh, that's Margot Robbie. The entire time I was watching Oppenheimer, it was, that is Oppenheimer, not that is Cillian Murphy. And I think the same thing can be said about TC. Like that's Tom Cruise. That's not Ethan Hunt. He's not even playing a role. It's just him. Um, See now there. Now we're talking. I'm I, you not know, really we, sure. we we forgot one nomination as well. Um, Ken played by me. I think that was just. <laughs> I was I was born to play Ken um, because I'm literally Ryan Gosling. That's an honorable mention for me. But no, jokes aside, Killian Murphy's going to win the Oscar as, as Oppenheimer. He killed it. He embodies that role so well. And after seeing his performance, it's hard to argue that anyone else could have done it. You know, we've been waiting for this, like, Killian Murphy powerhouse performance. Like, we all knew he had it. I mean, I don't think there's anyone, especially after Peaky Blinders, that would say, this guy doesn't have chops. And he brought it. I mean, this is, I think, the role he's been waiting for. Um, I think that his role in Inception was super underappreciated. Going back and revisiting that, if it's not Cillian Murphy, if it's, I think, like any other actor, then I don't think it works at all. Um, he is the the crux of that film. All right. So, Killian Murphy is going to take this award, but we need to settle this debate. Is it Killian or Cillian? I've heard both my entire life. Dude, I've said both my entire life. I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it to Blast to figure this out, but... I, I could swear that it's Killian Murphy instead of Cillian. Maybe it's neither. Maybe it's like Sicilian. Maybe it's just like pizza. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild? Um, yeah. One thing before we move on. 
We didn't even mention Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon in this. I don't know how he made how he made this list of nominees. Um, but oh my god, I I really I hope Joaquin Phoenix does not take home an award this year. Um, oh, not because I have anything ooh. against the guy, but just because I feel like in Napoleon he is playing Bo, <laughs> 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 just like weird sex and like kind of antisocial always like twitching a little bit i don't know <laughs> i mean it checks out which is which so funny do you think he's still gonna get nominated for both i think napoleon for sure there's a chance for Bo, but i'm not seeing it anymore i don't think uh, i guess my question to you is does Bo is afraid work with anybody else because i think you could find like i think jeff goldblum makes that movie work Mm, I think Jack Nicholson 15 mm. years ago makes a great bow is afraid, but he would get that script and say like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a couple people that could have done it, but no one, no one watches a trailer with anyone other than Joaquin Phoenix and Bo is afraid and say like, okay, I'll go watch that weird movie, weird actor. I'm all in. Like if Harrison Ford's in that role, I don't think I go and watch Bo is afraid. That brings like it's it's a great segue into James Cameron MVP award. Um, this is named after James Cameron because he holds uh, three of the five highest-grossing movie spots, which is still absurd to me. Um, the nominees for the MVP award are Margot Robbie, Tom Cruise, Christopher Nolan, and Tobin Bell. I I, I want to hear your takes, but there is a clear winner here for me. Interesting. I. Okay, I'm very curious to see where you go with this. I'll make my case for Boy Wonder, my my favorite actor right now in TC. I don't think the Mission Impossible movies keep going if it's not for Tom Cruise. You know, they tried to make the pivot towards Renner about like eight, nine years ago. Didn't work. And he's the reason people keep showing up at the theaters, especially for these MI movies. He's the reason they keep getting better as they go. He's kind of pivoted towards the the producer role. And honestly kind of sits hand in hand with McCory in the director's chair, but he's got his paws all over this movie. You can make the argument. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of money. And that's because it went up against two of the other MVPs here in Margot Robbie, Chris Nolan, Steve, who are you leaning? Is it Chris Nolan? It's absolutely Margot Robbie to me. Um, Cool. Cool. When you, I don't know if you've read anything about like the production stories behind Barbie, but Margot Robbie like pretty much promised studio execs that she would make a billion dollars on this movie, and then she fucking did, which is like insane. Damn, Um, especially for like just a movie about a doll. Um, it's hard to like. I I think that getting people to go to a movie that has that big IP of Barbie attached to it um, without like those notions of like, Oh, this is for kids, blah, 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 blah. I think that's really powerful. I also think that I don't, I don't know how much she played a role in this, but the way that the Barbie like marketing team was able to make them going to the movie feel like such an event. Um, Everybody's dressing up and wearing pink and all that. I think that that is uh, amazing. I, it, this has to be Margot Robbie for me. See, that's where I struggle with it. Even with Oppenheimer, like honestly, I feel like the marketing teams of both Oppenheimer and Barbie should win here because they got people in the theaters, which doesn't happen a lot. They made an event of going to the movie theater. Of course, for dorks like us, 
going to the movies is always an event, but Barbenheimer was a real thing. And that's not because Margot Robbie or Killian Murphy or Chris Nolan went. That was the marketing team behind that, in my opinion. Um, I could also make the argument that Greta Gerwig could be the MVP of Barbie. Like, you can make a case for a lot of different people. Like, Oppenheimer, can you say that Killian Murphy might be the MVP? So, you know, we make all these arguments. You're not a TC guy. I'm having trouble with Oppenheimer and Barbie. Why aren't we talking about Tobin Bell as Jigsaw? I mean, he is the absolute linchpin of this franchise and deserves his flowers. This is like, this is like FAU making their March Madness run. Like, he's there's a reason he's in the four. These movies and this one in particular was successful because they brought him back, brought him back to the franchise after two duds, and this one did really well. The fans are really happy with Saw X. Yeah, it, it's funny. I I was looking through YouTube and I saw like an all Saw movies ranked video and I clicked on it and I was waiting for Saw X and I was just waiting and waiting and waiting until it was the number one. Whoa. And I was like, oh my God, people, recency bias is, is crazy. Um, I, I get the argument for him to be an MVP, but I, the thing I just think I keep coming back to with Margo is that it made a billion dollars and you know, Oppenheimer did Oppenheimer didn't do that. Did it? No. Yeah. Um, obviously saw X did not. And, um, am I didn't either. I it, like her role in the production of that and her stepping in to, to fill the role of Barbie. I, I don't know if you know, she was not originally supposed to play Barbie. Um, oh. I, I think that that makes her the MVP of Hollywood right now. Yeah. Hard to argue. I, I would also like to call it, yes, it made a billion dollars, but it's also Warner Brothers' highest grossing movie ever, ever. Wow. So you got to tip your cap. If it's not Gerwig, if it's not Gosling, if Robbie's the nominee, let's let's run with Margot Robbie. Let's do it. Um, All right. Brendan Fraser, Comeback of the Year Award. This is a personal favorite of mine, but here are the nominees. Eli Roth for Thanksgiving. Rupert Grint for Knock at the Cabin, Michael Fassbender for The Killer, Michael Sarah for Barbie. This is a tough one for me. I think there's really a case for everybody. Um, Eli Roth really disappeared off the face of the earth for <laughs> for how many years? And, and coming back and making Thanksgiving, which is one of my favorite movies of the year, it, it's hard to argue against that, but also you have Rupert Grint, who I don't think I've seen since I was like eight years old watching a Harry Potter movie, um, coming in to knock at the cabin and giving such a weird performance <laughs> for him, um, which spawned so many memes and everything. Um, those, if, if the viewers can't tell, those were my two nominees. Ty, I want to hear your case for your two. So with Fastbender, I feel like he's always been regarded as a top talent in Hollywood kind of been off the grid. You know, he's big in the X-Men franchise, but when that fizzled out, I feel like Fastbender also did. And as Fincher made his comeback, he brought Fastbender with him. I didn't love the killer, but I thought Fastbender was great. He's, he's always great. So nice comeback. So I felt like he deserved a nomination, but I think the clear cut winner here for me is Michael Sarah and Barbie. I haven't seen the guy since this is the end in his awesome cameo in that movie, but he play, he doesn't even play Ken. He plays a different male Barbie, Alan. He's just this little goober that everyone loves. Beats the shit out of all the like real world guards. 
I think he was the, one of the funnier elements of the movie. I don't know. I feel like he's just going to pop up now. I, I think that this movie will catapult him into projects that he wants. Or make, maybe he doesn't want that, but Michael Sarah, he's my comeback player of the year. So there are two reasons um, <laughs> why Michael Sarah has not really faded from my memory. And I think that's skewing my interpretation of this award. My one of my closest friends when I was at Wesleyan, um, their name is Preston, and they like loved Michael Sarah so much. They had a cardboard cutout of him like <laughs> in their living room, and so I would I would see him every time I, I went to their house. And I also listened to um, some of his music. Uh, he's he's got some pretty good songs out there. I would I would encourage you to look him up on Apple Music since you're you're one of those guys, but. Um, he has come to mind a lot for me in the last three years. And maybe that's skewing my interpretation of the award. Um, Rupert Grant for me again, like has just not been there for, I don't know how many years. Um, and I think that's, that's what brings him into mind. But if that's how you feel about Michael Sarah, I don't know if I can make a, a super strong case against you. Yeah. I mean, with Grant, I saw him in a show called Servant, which is an M. Night Shyamalan TV show on Apple uh, TV. He's very good in it, but I know it's not a movie, so maybe this is his comeback to movies. Fine. I think my final argument to you is that, similar to the last award where you were pressing me about a billion dollars, Barbie just absolutely crushed it this year. Knock at the Cabin was arguably the most quote-unquote mid-movie of the year. I think that Sarah was a part of a, a more successful project, bigger comeback. I like that. I like that argument a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think this this comeback of the year award has to go to Michael Sarah. Now we're entering the last four awards here, and these are kind of the, the heavy hitters. This is when you get to that last like 45 minutes of the Oscars and like people aren't just making shitty jokes anymore when they're on stage. Um, the it's first all business one, now. Yeah, the first one is very personal to Blast. Um, talk a lot about theaters being so special to two movies and the tandem of them. And this is the Music Box Best Theater Award, named after the phenomenal theater in Chicago. Um, my two nominees, I, I think we can trade off here. Um, my two nominees were Kendall 11 and Oswego, where I saw almost every movie that I went to in theaters this year. And facets which is a personal favorite just because i work for or i worked for the chilled chicago international children's film festival ty introduce your two picks my two are both milwaukee theaters um one that i had loved the whole year the other one kind of creeped up into the radar late into the year so avalon is my first nominee and then the amc of all theaters you know i'm pretty anti-amc but the Mayfair Mall AMC. Those are my two nominees. I like it. Um, I, I, I want to shout, I, I think that each of these theaters deserves like their spot in the limelight here because really like, I mean, how, how are we allowed to pick between these, these four? They're on here because we haven't had bad experiences. Um, my, my case for Kendall 11 is really just that I go there so often and the staff is always incredibly nice to me. The theaters are always kept really clean. Um, and I always seem to go and have like a good crowd there. Um, 
I I absolutely love uh, like going to a sold out show on a Tuesday night since that's all that ever <laughs> sells out anymore. And being in a in a room of people that feel the same way about movies that I do, or at least the movie that we're watching. Um, for facets, <laughs> I mean, you know that this theater isn't necessarily the most like physically awing space, um, but it, it their their mission to show movies that maybe might not get the bigger spotlight and um, tell tell stories from perspectives that that we might not know and, and movies that we will learn something from, I think is really important. And I think their mission is, is really admirable. I think the great thing about facets, again, similar to that mission, but just like the intimacy of a facets experience. When you took me there for the first time, I just, I was proud to be such a movie dork. Like I was supporting the right projects that honestly won't really ever get their flowers anywhere else. So being involved in something like that was special. And that's kind of why I've enjoyed facets, even though it's your nominee, but Avalon's kind of one of those for me in a different sense. I I've talked about it at length on this pod. Almost all of my best theater experiences of the year came at the Avalon. I would, it's about 15 minutes from my apartment. It's a two theater, um, like historic Milwaukee theater where you go in, you pick your seat you don't order them online and it is a old opera house turned into a theater and it is this gorgeous screen that um it, you know that's one thing it's got that IMAX ratio but when you look up into the sky it's shooting stars it's just this beautiful atmospheric theater and i've had some of my best experiences there they always play like not just old movies but movies that deserve to be seen on the big screen again like i keep coming back to tron legacy like, what other theater is going to show Tron Legacy again? That's special. That's cool. The other thing with the Avalon is it's like-minded people. You show up on a Tuesday to a Marcus, you don't know what kind of theater you're going to get because everyone's rolling in for $5 Tuesday. You may get a rowdy crowd. You may be having people eat nachos behind you the entire time. It can be annoying. It's a gamble. At the, Av- at the Avalon, it's all business. Everyone is there because they want to be there and lock in on the movie. So always a great time. For Mayfair Mall, you have heard me just so frustrated AMC all the time. I hate supporting <laughs> the big theater companies. That is like my one, like one ick. But the Mayfair Mall one, I I feel like I'm teleported into a different world when I go there. And I haven't felt that way in a long time. It's it's in the mall, which is funny. So you walk through a couple flights of escalators and get to this theater and you're just like bam, teleported into that movie theater environment. That's one thing, okay? I can I can get over that. You know, I like the concessions. They have great, they have like the, the nerd's rope gummies. It's my favorite candy to get um, at a theater. That's whatever. I just so happen to have two of my favorite theater experiences of the year there. Um, my brother's first Blast movie in Barbie. So really enjoyed my theater experience there. And then my roommate, after doing an entire Mission Impossible gauntlet, saw Dead Reckoning together on opening night. We just, on a whim, ordered like Tuesday night, 7 o'clock tickets, and just hauled ass to the theater. Just two great memories there. So, yeah, Avalon, AMC, Mayfair Mall. I just love that of all of these awards, the, the ones that we've talked at length about is our favorite theaters. It's just, 
a real signal to what matters the most about movies. It's it's the event, it's the experience, it's it's the place you're watching them at. It matters. Absolutely. Um, and a, as much as I love facets, and I I, I do love Kendall Eleven too. I don't think either. I, I don't think this award should go to a chain. I think we should knock off Kendall Eleven in, in Mayfair. And uh, I'm I'm fine giving this to the Avalon if you are. I mean, I'm not going to argue. It's it's easily the best theater I've ever been to. It breaks my heart. I still haven't gotten you there. But like again, another great thing about it is like there's only like I said two screens at all times. So like there may be four movies out, but that's kind of the good litmus test. Is okay what movies are showing at the Avalon because those are the two that probably are going to be the better ones to watch. It just, I can't say enough good things about it. I got to get you there. Yeah. Um, and I got to get you to the music box. I don't know if you've ever been there. No it's the theater I, that this is, this is named after um, so many special experiences there. It sounds a lot like the Avalon. It's a very old theater um, that shows classics and the new stuff. You know, we have a, we have a couple missions to tackle, but for now, Speaking of theaters, we have the Everything Everywhere All at Once Best Theater Experience Award. The nominees are Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at Kendall 11, Evil Dead Rise at the AMC Classic in Bloomington. Those are Steve's nominations, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Then Barbie at AMC Mayfair Mall. And then Five Nights at Freddy's at NCG in Yorkville, Illinois. I can quickly run through mine, but um, Barbie I just mentioned... That was my brother's first blast movie. I he kept talking about it after the theater was over, like the after the movie was over. We we spent the whole drive afterwards talking about the movie. You could tell it was just like his eyes widened, like he just had one of those moments, and that was special for me to be there for that. Um, so that AMC Mayfair Mall experience that was special, but I definitely want to talk about my experience with Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> This is one of the worst movies of the year. Okay, no question. I would I would put it in my bottom three, but the theater experience is an easy A plus blast grade. My friends and I, all my high school friends, we have been playing Five Nights at Freddy's for the better, like almost a decade, and we still to this day, anytime we get together and there's like at least ten of us, two o'clock, two two a.m. rolls around, the lights go off, we nominate one person to play uh, FNAF one. And we like set the line like, okay, Spence is going to survive two and a half nights and everyone bets on it. So like there's something special with the FNAF lore. So like eight of us show up to the theater and could not stop laughing for an hour and 45 minutes. This movie was dog shit, but having them there to laugh and enjoy the moment with it, it just, it made it that much better. Yeah, I... I think I'm going to top you here, man. Um, pause. pause. But <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I, I think my theater experiences I'm going to talk through here are a little bit better. Um, my first nominee is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at Kendall 11. This is one that I talked in length about with you on, on a pod earlier this year. Um, I went to this movie uh, with my dad on a Tuesday night, I think the week after it had come out. And my dad is not really a fan of animated movies. Um, and he did not really like into the spider verse at all, uh, which shocks me still. And 
he decided like, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Let's do this movie tonight. Um, and we, we showed up to Kendall. We had to park at the very end of the parking lot because it was so busy for this movie. And walking into that theater was exactly like walking into the theater when I was like five years old and you see like movies are in full thrive. Everybody's in the lobby getting concessions They're Like you can't, you hear that like chatter between everybody and you can kind of like pick out words and s- see what movies they're talking about. And we went into the theater and it was a perfect experience. Everybody laughed at all the, all the right times and everybody was really respectful about it. Um, and at the end of the movie, my dad turned to me and just said, I'd watch that again. Wow. And I can't, I couldn't believe it. We, we went home and he told my mom that he's never seen anything animated like this. Um, he's, he's been known to call animated movies cartoons. And he said, this isn't a cartoon. Like this is, it was so special to see my dad, like love something that I love. Um, <laughs> And I, I, that, that movie will always uh, hold a special place in my heart for that. That said, my favorite of these nominees is Evil Dead Rise from AMC Classic Whoa. in Bloomington. Whoa. Yeah. And I don't think I gave this its flowers when I saw it, but I have this friend. His name is Samson from uh, Wesleyan. Uh, um, and he and I would like always just watch horror movies together. Uh, I have a really funny picture. I met him freshman year when we were doing online film classes for, for Wesleyan and um, somebody was playing the scene from Quentin Tarantino's death proof where the girl's leg like gets shot out the car. Um, And I have this hilarious picture of everyone on the zoom call. And there's like the guy above Samson going like, and then Samson's just like smiling ear to ear. Um, and that's when I knew I was going to be friends with this guy. Uh, he had, had a lot of like crazy childhood favorite movies that he's introduced me to. And um, I thank him a lot for that. One of his favorites, though, is the Evil Dead reboot from 2013. Whoa. And so we watched it together one night and had a great time with it. We were laughing through the whole thing. It was, it was really fun. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of the movie. And I remember that when the evil dead rise trailer came out, I was like, just kind of getting to graduation. And so I was like, Hey man, no matter what, I'm coming back to Bloomington and I'm seeing this movie with you. And he was like, all right. And, um, when it came out, I, I did just that. We went to the AMC Classic in Bloomington. We were the only two people in the theater. It's one of the shittiest theaters ever. Um, like the, the lights don't actually go out. They're like flickering on, on low the entire time. The seats are like gated off in sections where they're like torn apart. But sitting there and reconnecting with one of my closest friends from college, like, I mean, that's what movies is all about. You know, this is, that's blast. Both of those stories are so good. I'm a sucker for any father, dad movie theater experience. Cause I only get so many of them. I mean, Sicario yeah. two was the last one and I loved it only because I went with my dad. Um, I'm going to leave this one to you. I would, I'd give you the father, dad moment, but rekindling with your, your college buddy. That's kind of a no brainer. 
I if if you're leaning towards the dad one, I'll go with the dad one. I mean, they're they're both A plus blast grades. Um, I love them both, and I'm glad I got to recount those stories. It's awesome. Um, the next award we have is another very blast related award. Uh, we have we talk a lot on this pod, and we have sections for it on the app about favorite versus best. Um, so this is the Revenge of the Sith favorite movie award. The nominees are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, The Creator, and Barbie. Ty, let's let's hear your thoughts. It's so funny, you know. I've I've totally sh- like switched gears as I've gotten older. I was always about okay, w- the best movies of the year are strictly from a technical point of view. But as I get older. Movies like The Creator and The Barbie just creep up higher and higher on my list because of how they made me feel. The Creator, it was just such a refreshing theater experience for me. I It was so nice to see Gareth Edwards back at the helm. Rogue One is just a visual, just, it's just eye candy. And he delivers here again on a shoestring budget. You know, JDW just kills it in, in the lead role. But I don't know. I think I just saw this at the perfect time. I was getting emotional at all the right beats, great child performance, a lot of like similar story beats to sci-fi classics from the past, but I didn't care. Like I just had a great time at the theater from start to finish. I wanted to see it right away the next day. It was just one of those where I left the theater and I couldn't stop smiling. It was one of those special experiences. And then with Barbie, very similar. I mentioned that I saw this with my brother and that enhanced the experience, but if my brother wasn't there, I think it still is in my top five of the year. I had an absolute blast with this movie. It was remarkably funnier than I was anticipating. And that's not just because Gosling's a Sigma and I could relate there and really just poke fun at myself. No, I mean, Gerwig killed it with this movie. And I can just talk at length about all of the funny moments, but... You know, even as a guy, and I know there's an argument this movie is just made for, you know, girls because it's about Barbie, but I never saw it that way. There were a lot of great emotional story beats that connected with me, taught me something, made me feel something. And that's why it's one of the best of the year for me. I I love those takes. Um, I will explain. I mean, everybody already knows about my TMNT stuff. Uh, I, I can't keep repeating myself. But Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. This is so funny. It's awesome because I like randomly went on like this Cthulhu like weird. Um, uh, what's it called? Horror kick. It's it's like the type of horror where it's like I talk about it all the time. I don't know. I'm blanking here. But Lovecraftian horror. I went on a Lovecraftian horror kick. And then I was uh, driving uh, with my girlfriend's parents somewhere to like go to their their son's basketball game or something and um uh morgan fell asleep so i was left to my own and i'm I'm looking through max and new release batman the doom that came to gotham and it's literally just batman fighting cthulhu like (laughs) it's the weirdest like everything clicks into place at the same time um moment for me and i had such a great time with the movie it was everything it needed to be for me that said the creator when i saw it um absolutely made me like it it kind of made me fall in love with movies again like in a in a new way um 
we never get these types of smaller sci-fi stories anymore. And I think that that makes it really special. And I absolutely think it deserves this award. Then I'm not going to argue that at all. Right. Like again, like from start to finish, I just, I couldn't help but smile. It was such like a refreshing experience and it breaks my heart. We may not get a ton of creator-esque movies going forward, but I really hope that Hollywood leans and follows this path. I don't think it will happen, but it was really just, I keep coming back to it, but refreshing. So, And I, yeah. I, I want to say the same thing about Past Lives. Um, Past Lives wasn't necessarily either of our favorite movies, but the type of story that's told is very beautiful, and I really hope that more get told. And it's one of the reasons that it's kind of crawled into my heart lately is uh i i that's the type of movie i love you know please go watch a thousand and one i know we're we're we've already given the creator the win but that's one of those movies you'll say it too it's just we need more movies like this it's maybe maybe two hours it's just this small scale intimate story about a family just oh gosh i can't say enough of it enough about it without ruining it but Three just phenomenal performances. Tiana Taylor is the lead. I had no idea who she was, but turns out she's just a famous uh, artist. So maybe you know her from her music. She has unbelievable acting chops and makes this movie special. Just one of those you got to check out. It's worth your time. I am planning on watching it after the pod today. (laughs) I I can't wait to hear what you say. But we're, we're past favorite movies now. Let's jump into best movies of the year. And yes, there's a difference. And we will get into that right now. The nominees for 12 Angry Men Best Movie Award. Oppenheimer. I don't know how this one keeps sneaking into the nominations, but John Wick Chapter 4, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Steve, what are you thinking here? This has to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, it's it's my favorite movie of the year. I, I will not argue for anything else. Favorite or best? Um, Both. That's what's great. That's what's great about this movie is I, I can give it an A-plus blast and an A-plus movie and not think twice about it. I think what Oppenheimer does is I- incredible and like hard to believe that that movie exists, but the way that Across the Spider-Verse like functions as a whole i think like the use of colors that it has the way that it's animated um that it's so beautiful start to finish and even in if, if there's like a little lull in the action like you're you're looking at every inch of the frame looking for how detailed this is and how beautiful it is i think this has to be like one of the best movies of all time yeah i mean spider-man into the spider-verse the original everyone said like Gosh, this is special. It's an animation masterpiece. How will they ever trump this one? And Across the Spider-Verse does it in almost every aspect. It's just, it's unheard of. This movie took five years to make. And the entire time I was watching was, how did it not take 10? How did it not take 15? Like you said, it is a technical masterpiece. The story, the character work, all of that. Obviously, I loved it. You loved it. But just the the perfection of the craft of making the movie is why it's the best. It's absolutely wonderful, and um, I think that this decision will a- will age very well. Um, like ten years from now, I don't know if people are gonna be rewatching Oppenheimer. 
I think that Across the Spider-Verse is going to be one that is continuously rewatched every every year for a lot of people. I mean, that, that trilogy, once it's done, as long as Beyond the Spider-Verse isn't a complete stinker, that I mean, it's going to be regarded as maybe the best trilogy ever, if not one of the best, and oh, it deserves its flowers. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's going to come out, and it's going to be like <laughs> an animated version of Knock at the Cabin. Um, <laughs> all right, Miles, if you leave, the world explodes. Um, <laughs> this was a, a, a blast uh, to make. I'm, I'm so glad we could make this happen. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Blast Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at blast.movie.com blastmovies.net to stay up to date on all our latest content and news as well as our instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and our tiktok at blast.movies where we're posting podcast clips happy new year to everybody and we'll catch you next week